Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights here with Dan Hitt. We're going to talk about football cards, the, the major sets that were issued in that battle between the AFL and the NFL, That uh, uh, the sets between 1960 and 1967. Some interesting anomalies and, and uh, some little-known facts that uh, perhaps Dan and I know from doing uh, football price guides for many years. But first, thanks, sponsors, Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huxley Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, which includes Beckett grading and Beckett authentication. So if you're a football card collector, which those of you heard Dan's stories, not just into football cards, but the, the history, when you get back into the 60s, that was uh, the beginning of football being huge as it is now. And that battle between the AFL and the NFL was resolved with a merger that generated the Super Bowl, which is perhaps the single greatest American uh, uh, sports event. But Dan, welcome to the show. And uh, we're going to talk about those. Uh, I guess there's uh, basically two sets a year, except, wait, let me think. There wouldn't be, there'd only be one set. Well, let's see, two sets a year. Mm-hmm. That's so a 68. Tops and Fleer. Tops and Fleer. Tops and Fleer. Yeah. And then Philadelphia mm-hmm. Tops. Uh, yeah. So, uh, what is your recollection of collecting those? You told us in a previous episode about. The, the, the find of, of some sets that were just perfect out of the pack, 66 tops, which again, with the wood grain border is once they get handled a little bit, but uh, my experience was they were, they were tougher anyway. The, you know, the, the, the tall boys the year before were, were obviously tough, especially in, in great condition, but 64s, 64, five, six, seven, all of those top sets that were AFL. Uh, I thought they were, would you agree they were uh, printed in less, even though it's tops printed in perhaps less uh, quantity than the Philadelphia. Oh yeah, no doubt, absolutely, yeah, no doubt. And uh, you know, probably even though it's tops, like you said, it's it it absolutely, I think, you know, uh, plays to the point that it's AFL versus NFL. NFL still king. Uh, AFL had fewer teams. Uh, the cities were not uh, generally kind of um, uh, eastern cities, I guess, or established sports cities uh, for pro football as uh, the NFL was and. And uh, so I don't think there was uh, the natural kid collector base for those those sets in those cities necessarily compared to the NFL ones. Uh, so uh, definitely those 60s, mid-60s tops AFL sets are tougher. So do you think the Philadelphia kind of scooped, Philadelphia gum kind of scooped tops and outbid them? Or how do you think that came about in 64 that tops wound up with the AFL, which was not, the, it was not as popular? It, was, it certainly was interesting football and it was good football. But the NFL was uh, the you know was clearly the established like you say the better cities and all that. So so what do you think happened with tops? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that anybody knows uh, for sure. Um, I certainly don't. I've done a lot of research on it off and on over the years. Uh, my belief, and it's just a, a thought, really a belief, and with some kind of maybe minor evidence that I think um, by sixty three sixty four. I think that the NFL, especially with the players association type, but there wasn't a player association, but the players sort of organizing and uh, there was some competition, obviously between Fleer and tops to compete, to get those licenses. Uh, my guess is that somebody with the NFL um, offices, NFL properties uh, was developing about the same time. NFL films was coming in, you know, coming up. So there was just more and more promotional marketing um, awareness. I think they, they sought out another company is what I think. Uh, the offices, the NFL offices were in Philadelphia until about 1960, and then they moved to New York. So they had a, a big presence in Philadelphia for a long time. And they had connections. So you think My thing is that they sought them out. 
So you'd think it was kind of a wake-up call to Topps. Topps was not the only game in town in the sense that Fleer had put out those sets, but I think you'll agree that the 63 Fleer football was the, 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 the least produced of those, of those four Fleer sets in terms of they're, they're it's to me, much tougher to find than 60 or 61 or 62. So 63, Fleer puts out a set where they don't print out that many cards, and then they have their baseball set, and they're uh, in litigation with Topps. Mm-hmm. Topps is right. taking their eye off the ball, or or Fleer uh, had such disappointing sales with with their with their uh, their football product in '63 that in '64 the NFL and the players and the properties you know entertain an offer from Philadelphia Gum. I think so, and it may have had as much to do with the NFL controlling and branding it as much as it did just competing for the dollars. I think that's my theory. The uh, Philadelphia Gum. You've got the NFL logos on the packaging. Tops never had anything like that. You've got all the team logos are front and center. You see a lot more recent photos with the helmet logos and things. Tops, if you look back from 63 and earlier, those Tops football sets uh, were more generic photos, helmets off. Uh, they mentioned the team names, but you didn't really have team logos as much and things like that. It wasn't uh, designed to kind of promote the NFL. Philadelphia Gum had a completely different look and feel that was almost more of a, you know, a promotional marketing arm of the NFL. Interesting. That's, that's, I see what you're saying. I think they're, 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 uh, if, if that's a, you know, fork in the road and like you say, the, the prominence of those logo cards, uh, tops really wasn't doing stuff like that. And so maybe Philadelphia just came in and said, we're, we're going to, we're going to be responsive. We're going to, we're, we're, this is our only game. I mean, actually they, they did some, uh, some non-sports sets, but, but tops was tops. They were the, they were the incumbent. They just did it the way they did it. Uh, on another note that I just want to get your opinion on, in in uh, 61, you've got a set that is split. Both sets are kind of split with cooperatively. You know, the Tops and Fleer each have NFL series and AFL series. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Please do that now. I mean, I'm, I'm, one of the things I've mentioned on the podcast, I'd like to see – uh, more cooperation among the uh, card companies. And I know it's difficult and, and it's a very competitive environment, but how could they pull that off in 1961? Uh, you think the NFL said, I'm not, we're not going to give it to, to uh, you know, we're, we're going to let each of you do it this way. Yeah, that, gosh, that is a, a good question. It's, it, I, I don't have a real clear answer <clears throat> of why. Uh, I think a lot of things in those early 60s were with the leagues with TV becoming such a prominent impact on the league, uh, the new league competing, uh, I think everything was just in flux. Uh, I don't think that, uh, so my guess is that, you know, the NFL and, and maybe the card companies were uh, a little bit more willing to, to, to try some things. I'm not sure why the NFL would kind of allow uh, Fleer and Tops to also produce AFL, other than the NFL got two card companies. Uh, and so maybe that was sort of part of the, let's try it. Kind of a quick. Uh, I mean, I just think that it's it's just hard to get them to cooperate. And the NFL being the the, the big gorilla, I mean, what, what, why would they give oxygen to their to their <laughs> And I don't know, them, especially including them with tops. And so I'm I'm just wondering if that wasn't something. That, but the NFL was really interested in expansion. You know, you had the Cowboys, the Vikings. You know, you had these these uh, these new teams, these new parts of the country, and. Um, yeah, it's just that just seems weird. And then in '62 and '63, they split back out. And then you've got the 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 Fleer sets are are pretty basic and small, and the top sets are problematic because of the short prints. 
in 62 and 63 and the black borders in 62. That's just, were, were those mm -hmm. tough sets for you too? I mean, I, I originally collected those, not in 62, but I remember seeing them. And it, as an adult collector, I went back and got sets of those. But it was tough piecing together some of those cards, especially in nice shape. Did you find that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. 63 uh, tops in particular seems to be, compared to 62, I don't know, because there's been some finds of 62 uh, packs and boxes, but it seemed like 63 tops football, there was sort of a quantity drop-off to not, not only condition with those colored borders was tougher, but it just seemed like the print runs were much smaller compared to even like 60 or 61. Um, and I think, you know, going back to the Fleer versus Tops thing, in 61, you know, Fleer and Tops were, if I'm not mistaken, involved in a, a lawsuit, right. uh, and mainly about baseball, of course, but they were competing um, at all levels, um, you know, at real high level for baseball cards, but they were signing all kinds of uh, uh, non-sport properties and things like that. So I don't know if sort of a if it was more Fleer versus Tops compromise than it was NFL AFL compromise then uh, that for 61 football, because uh, there was a gap year in baseball, right? So there wasn't any kind of 60 Fleer, if I'm not mistaken, in the 63 instead of the all-time greats, they had a current player set. Right, right. Well, but, uh, yeah. Some people think the all-time greats, the 61 set came out in 62 or was still on the shelves. Uh, you know, 63, uh, the high numbers like, but 63 Fleer had to be disappointing sales. I mean, when you're a card company, you're not worried about the secondary market. You're worried about the primary market and, and the fact that we don't see many around now. And same thing with 63 tops. So, you know, America had uh, had uh, problems in 63. Maybe sales were down for everybody. And then in 64, tops, you know, uh, didn't want to pay uh, uh, the same guarantee as the year before or something. And so they, they – they, and Philadelphia said, hey, we'll, we'll step up. Maybe. Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. If you think about it also, if you're the NFL and you look at those top sets, those football sets – uh, they were using some photos from the night, literally from the 1950s in right. some of those 62 and 63 sets. Yeah. Some of those team photos are from the fifties. So they weren't real aggressive. It was sort of like, uh, their football sets were just kind of a throw in. And I'm sure the NFL office is becoming more and more aware of the value of their logos and the team logos and, and the NFL properties is right around the corner, right there at that same time. I'm sure they're looking at it and said, we can do a lot better than this. Let's find a company that we know back in our old neighborhood in Philadelphia it, that we can control and, and, and they'll kind of do it our way. That's what I think. is. And I even one time years ago, I called Tex Ram. Uh, Tex Ram was here in Dallas and I called him up, believe it or not, he answered the phone. And I spoke to him about this a little bit. Cause I, if anybody might know, I thought it might be Tex Ram because he was instrumental in the AFL NFL merger. So I know he was real uh, on top of all what was going on between the two leagues at that time in the mid sixties. Unfortunately, he didn't have any recollection of any of that. Uh, so, I'm sure that was small potatoes for him, but I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it would be worth a chance, but it did, it didn't work out. Yeah. Lamar Hunt was here in town. Who was you know, a really nice man and somebody who paved the way for the prosperity of football. Now. Okay. We're almost out of time. Let's let's uh, I, the 1960 Fleer set that kicked things off with the AFL was, was kind of a basic set and it's, and it's, uh, you know, there's nothing really that special about it, except it's rookie cards for almost everybody in the set. But, um, yeah. but last question here, if I make the, I'll make a statement, you can agree or disagree. I believe, I think that the number of baseball cards produced in any of those years from 60 to 67 is 10 times as many as the total number of football cards who are produced. I agree. You think it's more than that or? 
I think that's probably a good number. Um, I wouldn't want to split hairs, wouldn't kind of try to guess a splitting hairs, but that's a good number. That's that's a good number. I'm trying to think if there's an exception. And if there was an exception, it'd be some sort of big football card year. And I just don't think there was because 60 tops football, there's a large number of those out there, but 60 baseball is pretty huge too. So um, I think it's sort of baseball declined into the mid 60s. Uh, football did too, equally. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, the the uh, the so then the the, the final wrap up here is that you were the you know my key football guy you know for all those years. And uh, as I've explained in this podcast, that there's supply factors and demand factors. And uh, the demand back in the day was 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 one tenth. You know, so if, if there were one tenth as many cards and the demand was uh, one tenth and that you have kind of a market equilibrium. But in, in the recent years, the demand is not one tenth. Football is is maybe not at parity with baseball, but it's, it's certainly not one tenth. And so if there were to be a run on 60s football cards. If if uh, if half the people who collect baseball collect football passionately, there aren't enough football cards to go around from the '60s or the '70s either. I mean, would you agree with that? It's uh, I think generally that's right. I think that's, that's right. A scary thought. Um, yeah, but uh, I think that's right. I that, agree. Uh, well, we're essentially out of time, and basically, you know, we really haven't mentioned some of the great players in those sets, but just check it out. You know, we're uh, Beckett. Uh, uh, Beckett.com, the online price guide, and the and the magazines. You can get the current values. It, the, it makes it look like those set stand look like just bargains. Bargains, you know. I mean, that's right. The scarcity of the cars. I'm not trying to cause a run on it, but they're they're they're. Uh, I mean, football's legit, and uh, Dan was instrumental in the you know kind of the the rise of our um, our football magazine. I thank you, Dan, for that. And I thank you listeners for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode and it it might be about baseball. So thanks, Dan. Thanks, everybody. Be back tomorrow.